All right, man. Welcome to the Crow Triple Seven live stream. Got a good show tonight. Jason Linger is with me, and Derek Condit, the man who speaks with bees, is back. Uh, anyhow, welcome, Jason. Good evening, Crow. So, quite a positive response from our B episode, which I was happy to see because, truth be told, I like doing episodes like that more than I like doing a lot of the stuff we do most of the time. Well, it's the exact opposite of dark and, oh my God, this sucks. I'm sure we'll make up for it when we do our corporations episode. <laughs> yes, unfortunately, yes. All right. Well, do we have anything to talk about before we get Derek in? Well, we do have a whole bunch of shows lined up that I think everybody will like. Uh, just to let everyone know how much we've got going on. We've been planning things out ahead of time. We've got like a month's worth already uh, between this week and what we've already got. Yeah, we, we've got a lot going on. So hopefully everybody will dig it. But let's get in with Derek because I want people to have the chance to be able to actually ask him questions about a lot of things about bees and shungite and honey and all that good stuff. Right. Uh, let's do it. Welcome, Derek. Well, thank you, Crow and Jason. I appreciate you having me back. Hey, man, it was our pleasure. We had quite a, a positive response. Um, something weird's been going on with internet traffic for the last three or four days. I noticed it affected Gmail. Um, there were some SQL updates and things. Um, we've been having problems with uh, with emails being delivered of all things we even had we were trying to book Athen Kamenti back and Rose and I were on the same email he responded to me couldn't see her she responded directly to book him and he couldn't get it so something weird's going on and it's been hard to uh, actually see traffic as we normally do I think it's back to normal now but you got a quite a bump uh, in the amount of people coming to check out what you do Actually, we did. We had a huge response on the website. And, and, you know, you actually mentioned Internet issues, and we had some of the background, too. Um, and I don't know if it was because of the overwhelming traffic and responses on the store, but even um, PayPal started glitching to us. So we had some issues with people, uh, meaning like we, we had a coupon code for you guys, the CRROW777, 10% off everything. And it was basically it disappeared for a while so that was a little bit odd it is back up now and working um but yeah we've had some glitches too and the traffic and the response has been overwhelming um as far as even looking at the shungite faq on the mysticalwares.net website where we add um, additional links so you can further educate yourselves on the uses so it's been it's been phenomenal well, that's a fantastic thing. Uh, whenever we do these nature-based shows, uh, they're some of my favorites because it gets people thinking about things. I mean, how often has somebody seen a, a flock or <laughs> a flock, a swarm of bees, and someone's out there shooting them with a fire extinguisher or something? So it's a good thing uh, to get the information out. But you were just mentioning before we came on the air, before we get into shungite and some other things that we're going to talk about here. Um, you're actually getting land to make it available to the community uh, for apiaries and gardening and that kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Actually, we're looking at doing just that. So it's all about community. Uh, so, you know, it's a, we're all family. So we're looking at acquiring hopefully some large acreage here in Skagit County, Washington, to where, and it's mostly forest, to where and there are large open patches, to where we can do just that, open up large acreage garden plots, apiary places, so the community can come out and educate each other, because I believe everybody has a class in them to teach and something to share. So we'll educate each other and grow like that. And if you don't have money to buy food, well then you come donate some time and then help from that and then take it home. So it's again, sharing. So we're looking to do that up here. 
Well, it's kind of astonishing. I don't think many people, you know, we're always told how there's food shortages and we can't feed everyone. Um, you know, we've got other friends and there's a whole whole groups of people online that are now going to kind of homesteading. And to a person, they'll tell you on a single acre they could feed 10 families. Um, so these are great things, particularly now when everybody has kind of no confidence in the systems we've been using for decades. Oh, oh absolutely. We're, we're even looking at doing things like um, building or um, b basically building the substructure of houses out of things like mushroom bricks and the natural stuff that's around. And there's lots of ways of doing that. And then again, spreading that information and then animal husbandry. There's a way to live alongside animals um, and, and where everybody benefits. So not just animals, but the bees, of course, and then expand the understanding of the Shanghai beehives as well. And then teach free treatment free beekeeping where you don't need chemicals, which means you don't need suits then or smokers. Yeah, I'm all about that kind of building. Uh, I've, I've always wanted to build a straw bale house. I'm probably too old now, so I'll probably never get to do it. Uh, but if I have my druthers, I would absolutely, that's what I would live in as a straw bale house. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a great idea. And what's funny is we're actually going to expand on ways. So we talked a little bit on, on the show about Langstroth beehives. So we're going to show ways where you can make one out of, think, logs that you can find in the forest, kind of hollow them out. You can even hexagon shape the inside of them. So in essence, one large honeycomb cell and the bees, when you put them in there and give them that access in that energy field, again, sacred geometry, it's mind blowing how, how well they respond and propagate. So you're going to get swarms, splits, additional colonies made from these houses that benefit the bees. It's, it's a great thing. So we'll go ahead and teach that and, um, and just keep expanding the understanding. So how do you actually do that? If you were a person um, who wanted to attract bees and you could hollow out a log, um, can you actually induce them to make their home there or do they kind of choose on their own? Oh, no, you can definitely encourage it. And that's things like putting in maybe a, a frame of already, again, organic or chemical-free honey. So you would put it in there and maybe even take some previous wax from an, another beehive and put it inside. So think, you know, a pre-house made for the bees. So it'd be like you and I finding a, an apartment with furniture already in there and a fridge full of food. Well, how convenient is that? So same with the bees. So if you give them that encouragement and ease of access, they'll take advantage of it because they'll feel the energy as well. So if you just did that, what are the chances that a beehive would come and, and be with you? Um, is, is that a long shot or I mean, is that feasible? What if I just went out in my yard and I did those things? Is there any chance that I would acquire a hive? Okay, um, there is, but now the, to um, up the odds on that, you'd get something like lemongrass oil, an organic version. So think chumming it kind of thing with the scent, and they, bees like that scent. So when the drones are out throughout the day looking for new places to forage and new um, places to pollinate, they're going to find that scent, go back and do the wiggle dance we talked about, and communicating, I guess, again, other ways um, when that's there. And then they'll say, hey, there's honey here. So, again, not just placing it there, but maybe placing it, um, of course, be cognizant of things like the the power boxes on the outside of your house, your, your uh, meters and things like that. So keep it away from there, not under power lines. So, of course, all these things matter. Um, but really, the easiest way would be to put that hive in your backyard and then take what's called maybe a bait hive. And you can make this out of a, think a five gallon bucket with a hole in the bottom, 
put some wax in there and then take it out to a local creek or stream. There's energy lines, the Oregon energy along these living water flows, um, it, again, is that living energy. So if you now take this bucket that you put a little wax in with a hole in the bottom, the bees will more than likely go there. So then at night, you just go out there, check it, and you can just glance in there. And if, if, there, if there's bees, put a cork in that, take that bucket home, and then introduce it to the hive that you did build. So that would be the easier way. Um, and they would up and, you know, I guess, strengthen your chances of, of catching a wild swarm. That's pretty cool. When I actually got here, um, I had to repaint the house and there were all these carpenter bee holes in the eave um, when they were already empty, uh, but I assume they would have probably used them again. So I filled those up and what they did is I knew um, that the carpenter bees were at it because when I come out of my bulkhead, I could hear them crunching. So under the kind of eaves of the bulkhead, I've probably got, I don't know, six, seven, eight of them and I just let them go. I figured this is pretty cool. I'll watch them. I'll check out what they do, and then I'll replace the uh, the boards after a few years if I have to. But Jason, sound like you were going to jump in there? Yep, we're getting questions already. Andrew in the chat room would like to know if Derek sells shungite paint. Oh, um, we we do, and we're going to introduce that again. It's um, it's difficult. So what I have done is told people how to make it themselves and give them the instructions using. Um, so you can use our shungite powder and add that to your own paint. But we, we are gonna add to the website again, small, think um, fingernail polish size jars of the shungite and silver mixture. So now think that's an easy way of introducing shungite silver to little things like earbuds or hearing aids, where not necessarily one of the shungite stickers or shungite nuggets, of course, wouldn't work in that particular environment. Um, but we will have actually that Shungite paint. That's a great question on later this evening um, on the website. Or if you're looking to, let's say, paint your entire room, which is not a bad idea. Let's say your your bedroom or something. Well, then you take one of the packs of Shungite powder, mix it to your a smaller percentage of your own paint, blend it in to think get rid of the chunks and the the lumps and stuff in there, and then add that to the large amount of paint. Paint your walls. Think of it as the primer and then paint over that. So in essence, you've got a virtual type of Faraday cage now that you're in. So then you wouldn't need to buy that large amount of paint. You could, in essence, just make your own. Wait, is that actually enough to block a cell phone signal if someone did that to a room? Would they still get cell service in there? Absolutely, you'll get great cell service. So Shungite's not gonna block anything. It's gonna be what's basically called attenuation. It's gonna have an effect on the harmful portion of the frequency, or if we're talking let's say sine waves on something called an oscilloscope, it's got an edge to it. So when that frequency hits the human aura or body or biofield, it's kind of like being hit a whole bunch of times and it's non-biocompatible. So Shungite's frequency will take that edge off. So no, you're not going to lose any signals or anything, but it's going to be less harmful. If anybody has questions, uh, tag me uh, either in DLive or on YouTube. And I will see them. It's, it's very easy to see on, on YouTube with the little orange thing that comes up. So any questions on bees, shungite, uh, honey, whatever else Derek is all about, or us if you have a question for us, by all means. But there you go. Well, I, I, he actually sent Jason and I a book, which he co-authored. Um, and I was going to ask a few questions. So the idea about shungite, um, just so people don't know, is I guess it's classified as a mineral and whenever you get a piece uh, I was reading in the book that how would I put it in a 
in a certain dimension, all those pieces of shungite all over the world are connected like a grid. Is that correct, Derek? It is. It's exactly like that. So it's it's via what's called quantum entanglement. So all of our shungite, which is also why when you mentioned the book Shungite Reality, we actually take, we make shungite ink as well. That again will be available on the website later tonight as well, where we take a an ink blend of shungite in and we stamp a little B on the inside of any book that we sell from the store here. And what that does is literally on the physics level is quantum entanglement. So that attaches your shungite in that book, even if it's just the stamp with the ink in it, to our larger load that is being used for the greater good of helping the bees and all living organisms. And because of that, there's a loving frequency. And again, physicists call quantum entanglement, um, which is also why we, I take certain nuggets of shungite and tumble them in just hundreds and hundreds of pieces of pure silver. And we call these the cosmic silver shungite. And we have them in pendants available, and that's what I wear. Um, and what that actually does on the physics level is silver will actually migrate into the shungite. So it's there permanently. So you've got the combination of that living frequency and the benefit of shungite both in one. So it was, it was a bit of a uh, synchronicity there because I have a new Shiba Inu puppy. And one of the things that's known, they're okay in the heat, but when it gets like really humid, uh, they can start to chew and get hot spots. And so my dog that's, I don't know, pushing six months now, um, started chewing at the base of his tail. The shungite skin balm you gave me, we put it on him and he quit almost immediately. Of course, he had to lick it a little bit. Um, but that got me thinking. So I, I fired off an email to Derek saying, dude, you should totally think about making shungite shampoo. By the way, the soap you sent me is awesome too. Um, but then as fate would have it, you guys were already creating the shampoo. And by the way, when that's ready, uh, you got to let me know because I want to give that a go with the shungite shampoo. Oh, oh, absolutely. Yes. And we, we do make that shungite castile soap and we're all about organic and chemical free. So, you know, it's it's all going to be natural. And the, the shungite skin balm is made out of organic beeswax as well with the addition of the shungite powder and silver mixture we have. And it's it's great for everything from eczema, psoriasis, burns. Um, it's actually the same blend that's in the shungite lip balm that we have. So even the lip balm, one in your pocket, is a good way to carry around for, I think, topical use. So the shungite honey, which is the organic honey with the addition of shungite powder, is just has miraculous results for things like open wounds or even, again, digestive issues, things like that. But then for closed wounds, burns, liver spots, just different skin issues. That's the skin balm that we were talking about with them. Just it it really has a great effect because shungite also scientists and doctors are using it um, in fields to regenerate them. I think we talked a little bit, but it actually has an effect on glyphosate or Roundup weed killer and RADs or radiation particles and then free radicals. So all of these things of course are harmful. And with Shungai having an effect on them, it's it's just really beneficial to have around you. And it's a great idea for the animals as well as you used it. Well, I'll tell you what, the the, the skin balm we used it, it's the real deal. Um, and it's you actually see pretty quickly um, improvement. I've got a couple days behind me and I'm very impressed with it. But let's let's go straight to the source here and talk a little bit about what's true of ingesting Shungite and what's not true. I did a search. Um, after I emailed you and I simply wrote, can you eat shungite? And I got a whole litany of 
returned saying, would you eat a crystal? It'll cut your insides up. It'll do all these things. So I'll let's lay it right on the table. Can you ingest shungite? And if so, how? Okay. No, great question. Um, so I'll answer that to the best of my ability. And of course, you know, we're not doctors here. So, um, but yes, yeah, so what has been done and we have this study available. I'm going to reference here in a moment um, on the website under the Shungite FAQ. There are reference to the research studies, not something I did at home myself in my garage. And then I'm going to talk about. So scientists have done a study where they have fed Shungite powder to rats. Now, typically rats die of cancer. They have tumors. If they live that long and somebody didn't, you know, feed them to another, you know, pet or something like that, they typically die of a cancer. Well, in this study, again, that is available online, the rat, they tripled their lifespan. So Shungite had a, and they, uh, these same scientists and actually additional ones did studies with cattle. They've done it with chickens. Again, ingesting Shungite. So um, I guess if we... Uh, legally here so the no I can't technically say yes eat chungai do anything like that but the research out there that has shown the ingestion of it with animals has had miraculous results and yes I have ingested it myself for several years now all of our pets do with again just miraculous results on everything from digestive issues to if we talk about the woohoo, so the energy fields, and I say woohoo jokingly, meaning the metaphysical or other dimensions. So if I'm trying to spiritually connect or become more intuitive or work on a chakra or something like that, with the Shungite combination under your tongue, there's a chakra point on the top of your mouth. So just think a uh, little spiritual connection point there. So great results with that as far as also topically, but ingesting, we've had... I, it would be countless stories, and we do have blogs available online where people have left their own stories regarding this, but repairing different cancers in their animals, their cats and their dogs, again, because Shungite has that effect. So again, you know, we have to walk that line and you know, say what happens when you do it, but not necessarily say to do it. So let's, in the studies, so of the people who have done things like with cattle or chicken, how are they doing it? Are they like titrating? Are they taking that black chunk of shungite and like titrating it in somewhere? Or what I'm getting at is it have to be like micro crushed or could you just take a mortar and pestle um, to get to the point where those studies show they were doing? No, no, you could do with our, so we have several types of shungite available. So we have granular or coarse shungite powder, which I, I often recommend for things like sprinkling in your plant and your plants are going to triple in size. It's going to remove the toxins from the soils, the chemicals. And that's a whole nother show on that, what you can do with plants in Shungite. And then you can go into the Shungite fine powder that you're talking about, or we have a Shungite silver mixture. We, we sometimes call it S4, where we've added a colloidal silver fine particles to the Shungite, which adds that physical boost. So for the ingestion, I would go with the either fine powder. So let's just talk if we're giving it to our animals. I would take the fine powder of either the Shungite silver S4 mixture or fine shungite powder and just sprinkle it on say the cat food or dog food or put it many people have reported putting in a salt shaker and doing it that way so either way i wouldn't you know obviously swallow nuggets or anything like that but the granular has been used similarly as well it depends on what you're putting it on so if you're having to chew that substance you know it's gonna be a little gritty but if it's a fine powder like we use in the honey then you're not going to see anything it's just going to discolor the honey a little bit but it doesn't harm it at all 
Yeah, I'd like to give that a go. I'd like to, to check out the fine stuff. Someone just wrote... Um, I've and got the, a pile of questions the, here whenever you're okay, ready. Okay, go, go ahead, Jason. Will Derek make available plain beeswax so I can make my own organite? Uh, okay, you know what? Actually, I'm going to jot down a note here. That will be on there tonight as well. So we'll have just plain... Um, organic now I'll do both I will make because we just got this ramped up here in the last couple of days the organic plain beeswax and shungite beeswax where we actually take the fine powder blend it in the wax and it gives it kind of a light grayish or bluish hue to it and that's um, that's a whole nother so think ingredient and making energy devices just like this person's probably talking about so we'll have both of those available as well cool beans all right Let's see. Is chaga mushroom, C-H-A-G-A, good for the bees? Uh, it is. And that's funny. Actually, I just brought some of that in here um, to the Mystical Wear store today. It is. It's good if you're needing to use a smoker material for something. I use chaga, turkey tail mushrooms, reishi, something like that. I gather myself here in the mountains. So it's not something they're typically eating. But if you're needing to use a smoker material for some reason, then that's a great one that has an antibiotic built in and antifungal properties, all sorts of things that are in there once you put it in the smoking form. Cool. Okay. How do I tell the difference between real and counterfeit shungite? Sure. Actually, I've done a video on that. So on our YouTube channel, metaphysical perspectives um you can see one where i've taken an actual little drone so one of those little quadcopters with um little rotors on them and i've actually you can take and you can do this with a small flashlight in the same video i take a, a laser pan all sorts of gizmos and gadgets and you're basically taking the shungite nugget because it is the only unrefined mineral on earth that will conduct electricity so what I'm getting at here, that means, yes, lots of things conduct electricity, but it has to be refined down to the ore and then processed to make lead, copper, whatever. Shungite is the only one that will conduct electricity. So the easiest, quickest way, and again, you can reference the video later for those listening, but you can take one of those little cheap flashlights for $2, unscrew the end of it where the batteries go, and if it's the type with the spring there, just take a nugget, place it on the battery, place a spring on that, push the button, so in essence, that nugget is now in line and the shunt, the battery will conduct and the flashlight will come on. If it does not come on, you've got fake shungite. And yes, I have come across that ordinate on eBay and Amazon. Often it came from China and they're just basically pressing their own carbon materials that, and it won't conduct electricity. So yes, that's a definitely test your shungite um, for that. And that would be the easiest way. Okay, I think we can combine two of these. Uh, is C60 a form of shungite? And let's see, where's the other one? Well, let's go with that one first. Sure. And actually, unfortunately, a company has taken the name C60 and applied it to their product. So it's, um, it's actually caused confusion. C60 or carbon 60 is just one of the molecular structures. It's a soccer ball shape, sometimes called a buckyball or a fullerene. But that shape is what does all the magic and that's what's in shungite so that actual and that's the natural form so other companies including nasa they've figured out ways to make artificial c60 molecules and that's by shooting different materials with lasers and you can do it in a flame um, in a vacuum of space but basically when somebody says c60 
they're talking about the molecular structure, that soccer ball shape that's in there that by just so you know, it actually, and it's not by chance, holds. So one of these little soccer ball C60 shapes holds one molecule of water perfectly. Water, of course, is programmable. So think the perfect vessel with no room for anything else, and then you use your intent and program it. And that's part of the, again, air quote here, magic of Shungite is it has that programmable energy field because of the C60 molecule having nothing to do with that product they call C60 out there. Now, I know we addressed this in the episode, but is it true that bees have been reducing over the years? Um, only in apiaries and beekeepers, um, backyards, things like that is where the numbers, because of course that's where they're counting them. Um, it, it fluctuates, so it's all relative. So yes, in some areas, but that means that the climate has changed north. So now there's more bees, you know, up north if we're talking about certain areas. So again, relative, um, yes, the numbers are down a lot, but I'm not personally panicked. Uh, myself because there are so many things we can do and that's what we're all about is sharing this information um, so yes the numbers are down but it's not it's it's not like you know the catastrophic levels um, as far as you know my understanding goes but this also ties into colony collapse disease right disorder, absolutely disorder. and that's mm-hmm, yep it does the frequency calling collapse disorder yeah ccd and that's what it is it's all those frequencies the wi-fi signals the cell phones and all of that is, is a big issue for the bees, and that is antagonizing it on top of the, the radiation that's happening is too in our environment. Okay, next we have, let's jump down here. I believe, I believe that bees hover via sound frequency, solving the wings that are too small for their body, thus the buzz. That's funny, yeah, what, a, what a great question. Um, love your audience so actually so yes bees um, many types of them aren't quite and they've done studies on this to see figure out how a bee can actually fly well and i'll just kind of be blunt and get there quickly a portion of it is them using their bodies and wings and and different um, abilities to hold a frequency so in essence a portion of them are levitating so they're not actually flying and all of that they're kind of levitating in a little cavitation bubble you can say of love because it is one of those frequencies um otherwise it'd be all over the place so they're they're starting their engines getting a frequency going holding it so they're not actually holding that whole 100 percent of the 3d b body in the air they're holding um again a frequency we can call it an energy so in essence there's a, a bit of levitation going on there by the way what is your youtube is it metaphysical perspectives it is metaphysical perspectives. Okay, I'm going to drop this in both chats. All right, I think we got a couple more questions. What does Derek have to say about the flow hive system? Sure, um, and I've I've actually spoken to many people about that and looked at it, and I'm, I'm very familiar with it. I'm not a big fan because of the harm it does to the bees. Anytime you have moving parts inside of a beehive, if you're if you're grabbing an arm to move something or there's an automatic, think, slicing of the, the wax layer on the comb, which is what happens at one of the stages, well, the bees don't know that's gonna happen, so they don't move, so there's a lot of losses. And as far as I'm concerned, every bee counts and matters, just like us. So for that reason alone, but there's also other issues with the the plastic parts, the the metal pieces. They they do a pretty good job of trying to limit that, but there are anytime there's metal or plastic um, in contact with either the wax or honey, you're going to have contamination. 
What can you say about clothing made with shungite? Yeah, that's actually a great idea, and we've we've looked into that. I've made face masks and things like that. We make a, a shungite rubber, so the little discs, like a you can think of like a mouse pad, but smaller with with shungite and silver rubber mixed in. Um, so I'm bringing that up because that's the same as shungite clothing. You want that in your aura or chi or you know energy body environment to help you heal yourself. So if you can get ways of getting it integrated in there, it's not a bad idea. You're not going to be a walking Faraday cage. But you're going to basically be, you can think of it as walking around, hugging a tree all day long, being earthed or grounded, things like that. Your excess energies or electrons, if we're talking 3D, will be continually moving. Your aura is going to be in its better state, so you heal yourself. So it's a good idea if you can get it. Or, again, you can take Shungite and put it in your pocket. Or if you're you're driving around, you can take the, the Shungite rubber and literally sit on it, put it in your pocket, things like that. So it's a great idea if you can get it. Cool. All I right. think I saw one that you missed, Jason. Someone was asking, Derek, if you provide um, the tools you need to make a carpenter or mason, t- mason bee home. Yeah, that's a great question, too. And actually... I'm having issues, so we're, we're, what I do is I actually 3D print mason bee houses, and then I shungite paint them, um, and we're having, of course, getting enough out made, so they're not available at this moment, but what people can do is get the shungite powder, so if they go to any Home Depot, Lowe's, any, any store like that, they'll see those in the bird section, those little wooden, look like bird houses with a bunch of tubes in them, like we talked about, the mason bee houses or carpenter bees, you can get that, get the shungite powder mixture, and paint that yourself and or get little shungite nuggets and adhere them to that so that would be the best bet at this point to do that um, again we're just limited in in what we're able to produce here as far as that so i like letting everybody be empowered and realize you can make your own paint so then if you have such go out in your wood shop and whittle together um, you know mason bee house doesn't take much it's real easy um, you can even get pieces of bamboo and just shorten them down secure them together and the bees would love it and then you can coat that with a shungite paint. Okay, cool. Let's see, we got, could you talk more about why the shungite is so amazing, the workings of it? Does it work like shilajit? Hmm, I'm not sure I know what shilajit is, um, but I can tell you different uses of shungite in different ways we do it. Um, and of course, I like to always blend it with silver if possible for that additional, um, you know, think physical healing frequency. So there's, again, the inks you can do. Um, and I actually like, and you can make your own ink too. So if you're an artist or or you paint and you have that special type of paint you need, whatever type that might be, acrylic or oil or whatever, add your Shungite powder to it. And then once you've done that, now think you've added, you've not only removed negative energies from that, but when you're starting to get draw your paintings or your art or if you're writing poetry or if you're writing a birthday card to somebody you've got quantum entanglement now with a love frequency in that birthday card that piece of artwork um, so there's lots of different ways of integrating that um, and then there's you're you're now affecting that piece or artistic um you know or art you know on the energy levels as well which shungai does it removes the excess energy which is why when i place the nuggets at the first shungai beehive 90 plus percent of the bees ran over there and it wasn't because i convinced them to come pose for a video shot or something i was just as amazed as anybody else 
they responded energetically to it. And so will individuals who see somebody's art that's done with that or any other type of item. I, I think I saw I saw someone asking, um, how come Shungai can only be harvested or maybe mined would be a better word in one part of the world? And as I was looking online, I think I saw the word Carillion uh, associated with it. And that goes back to that photography from the 70s, right? That's funny. Yeah, actually, I do Carillion photography as well. And that's energy photography. So in essence, basically, if let's say somebody lost and had an injury, lost an arm, you take an image with this camera system, you would still see the aura or energy field of that arm or a leaf if you tore it in half, things like that. And the funny part is, no, there's no tie in. Um, but I mean, on the 3D level, as I kind of term it, but it's from Shungai, that is, Karelia, Russia, up near Finland, and Shungai is, you can call it the province or county. So it's actually a city, and depending on where, you're, um, where you follow online, um, some claim it was a meteorite, but it's really, Shungai needs to come from Karelia, Russia, or it's not Shungai. There are other locations on the planet with materials similar that, yes, do have C60 molecules to one degree or another, but not at the levels Shungite has. That is, again, um, basically the, the larger percentage agree that it was a, because C60 is generally made in the vacuum of space, and it is this large city-sized deposit, it's thought of as an asteroid that came down a couple billion years ago, and, and we've been basically carving off of it for all that time. And there's actually a lake there, and I have photos of that where you can see in the lake and with the Shungite energized water, Cool. Uh, let's see. It'll be interesting, the theories on why Northern Finland area is the only area to retrieve Shungite. Does this have anything to do with the box saga? Um, well, actually, and um, the, the czars, the, so the, the generals and um, the military leaders of Russia way back, and I don't remember the exact years, but it is dated. Um, actually, they were putting Shungite nuggets in their soldiers' water as well. So it's been known about for literally hundreds of years um and because borders have changed so many times up in that area it is the i guess you'd call it what maybe the northwestern part of russia so again up near finland and it's again changed hands many times but it's been known about um and that's probably the reason russia is now in charge of it as well and it's actually kind of difficult anybody else in the in the Shanghai game that I'm familiar with that is making it available or trying to work it into um, devices, art, pendants, or anything like that is actually having problems right now getting it shipped to them. So there's some some issue going on there as well. Cool. Let's see. We are, let's see. Well, does that, would you say that counts with, uh, can I find Shungite in, in Norway? But uh, I, you can order it anywhere as far as I understand, right? Yeah, yeah, you can order it anywhere. Just, again, make sure that they're legitimate Shungite and that they've sourced it from Karelia, Russia. So it does have to come from that one location, which is why we, we actually do it by the pallet load directly from them. So there's no middle hands there. It hasn't gone via somewhere else because there is there is artificial stuff. So definitely, again, referencing back to making sure it's real Shungite with that flashlight test. Does anyone know how big the deposit is? Uh, they have a good guesstimate. I've seen photos of it. So, um, and I don't have a number to give you, but it's the size of a small city. It's not going anywhere anytime soon. They have huge um, bulldozers and backhoes there. It's now because it's getting more known in more demand across the entire planet. 
there's whole companies coming up making shungite, spreading it in crops, again, to revert GMO fields and remove the toxins back to organic crops and fields. And then putting it in, again, animal feed, which removes a percentage of the infection from whatever's removed from the cow's milk and chickens, the same thing. The eggs have benefited. So any any use and shungites had a benefit effect. So it's and it is very large. Um, but no, I don't. Again, I don't really have it. It's probably over a mile in size at least. They were they were acknowledging, but then that's on the surface, and then they don't know where it goes down, how deep. What does shungite cost? Uh, and that's again relative question, depending on the grade. There's what's called elite or noble. It's um, it has a higher percentage of the C60 molecule. But when you understand frequency, then you realize, well, you only need one molecule. Now, you're not going to find a piece with just one molecule. They're going to have millions or billions, no matter what. But my point is, that now tells you, you don't need to spend the extra money that many are charging for the aesthetically pretty or shiny elite or noble when you understand you're working on the frequency level. So you don't need a big 80s boombox on your shoulder to listen to music. You can do a little <laughs> eye or earbuds sort of deal. Um, so knowing that you don't now have to go buy the most expensive piece. It's not a volume thing. It's an energy thing, if we're talking that. So it would be, um, again, on the grades and the purity, depending if you got it directly, it's, it, it's, it's not a price per pound sort of, sort of deal. It's, it's really how it's been used. If it's integrated into a device, a wrapped hand dependent, then of course it's a little bit more um, where we have those. Or if I've taken it myself, for example, and tumbled it with pure silver for three days, well, then there's a whole nother energy device happening. And of course, the three days isn't lost on me in a hexagon shaped tumbler. So there's a whole lot going on in that recipe. Um, so it's it's tough to really answer specifically. Um, can you address why we are not why we are told to not give honey to babies under one year of age? Yeah, that's a that's a great point to make. Yeah, never give um, infants honey their systems just can't handle it from the enzymes and the bacterias and just so, on so many levels in that there's antimicrobial properties it's just it's just overpowering and again I can't get speak too medically because I'm not a doctor but it is um, that is the case so definitely first couple of years at least I wouldn't give honey and then it's actually mentioned about not giving honey to animals I've never had an issue with that but with shungite honey because it is an energy honey think of it as a supplement so we're just talking a few drops it's not like you would lather a whole piece of toast with the shungite <laughs> honey yeah you just need a small amount okay if the honey is for the bees to survive the winter why and how are they harvesting the wax and the honey mm -hmm. great question that's exactly right the bees are not making it for us or anything like that which is why i'm a firm believer on not supplementing their food either give the bees the environment, the shungite environment, to let them stay as healthy as they can. And they'll make an excess of honey to where you can remove some. And hopefully you keep that initial for giving them in, say, the spring or if it's a, a late winter or something like that. So you don't supplement with something fake. But if you have a healthy colony and you give them the room to expand, meaning add the honey boxes on top. So those white Langstroth hives out in the field, people see they'll keep getting taller every couple of weeks do that have a good environment and as long as there's plenty of crop crops and different things around for them to you know get the pollen and nectar from they're going to make more than enough honey so then you can take some off 
again, making sure that you leave enough excess for feeding of their own honey later. So, uh, and then the wax, well, what we do is we don't, we like think clean containers. So you don't want to necessarily leave like the beekeepers. And I know them personally in California, in the almond fields, they basically leave the honeycomb frames in the boxes as long as possible and that think a dirty container the the wax inside gets darker and darker and it gathers particulates that the bees brought back be it harmful or not it's just parts and things um and sometimes bacterias so in essence a dirty container so you don't want to use that wax so we rotate out every year with new frames and let the bees regenerate that themselves and make a new um again the honeycomb for their brood because of course the bees lay their eggs in that same honeycomb they put uh, same shape and size of honeycomb um, they're putting their honey in as their eggs so the cleaner environment the better what is the optimal hole size for the mason bees nest hole now that is a relative question so I, because there are so many types, uh, there's about 130 different types of mason bees or carpenter bees, and each one is slightly different. So what I can say, if somebody just wants to make one, you can take a, pen, a number two pencil and you can actually get um, a natural paper, so something without ink on it, and actually roll it on that, and that's going to give you the diameter you need. But really, each person should get on the internet and do a search for their local area so that, because I don't want to tell them an exact size and somebody in Washington make one that's this size when they're in Florida and their bees can't get in it or they hatch and it's too narrow of a hole. So really, um, the average would be the number two pencil size. And again, you can make your own tubes that you can slide into a little piece of bamboo. So now you can actually remove the eggs and bring them over. And that's, again, a whole nother conversation. But you can take the eggs out that the mason or carpenter bees have laid in these little tubes if you pre-lined it with this paper and now put those eggs in your vegetable drawer of your fridge for and you're going to have a much larger survival rate so that's again another topic we didn't much get into but it would benefit the bees um for something to do that the the bees that i have living in my bulkhead it's a perfectly round hole they've carved in solid wood where there was no paint but that's over an inch where I am. Um, the bees that are doing it's it's over an inch that hole. That's a huge hole, exactly. And that's there's it, there are so many sizes, and up here they would not be. So actually, it's up, up to ten millimeters. So seven, eight millimeter is a good one. But yours sounds like they're larger, up to say ten millimeter. So that's why I say on average, a uh, a pencil. Yeah, the the ones that are doing it here, they look like a buff bumblebee. And I see two kinds. I think there are two different kinds, a black one and then one that's kind of just black and yellow like you'd expect a bumblebee. But they're heavily armored and they're not as hairy as a bumblebee, but they're they're bigger than a bumblebee. Yeah, yeah, you've got the big ones. So those would be the larger. And so really it's probably from, so more specific, four millimeter to 10 millimeter um, and different sizing. So that's when, when sometimes people buy these pre-made insect houses at these the hardware stores, they'll even have little pine cones tucked in that they'll have some leaves, some other things and multiple sizes of the bamboo because ladybugs will get in there. So really think a, a condominium for all types of insects, not just mason bees is why there'll be multiple sizes. Okay. Did Derek ever say how he ingested chungite himself? I think he went directly to plants, but I might have missed it. Um, how I do it myself. So I do, I take the 
our shungite honey and I'll actually do just what my animals do as well. We'll get it in the morning. I'll dip my finger in it. So I'm not taking a large amount, maybe, oh, I don't know. I'd guesstimate two, three, four drops. And then I put it directly under my tongue and then I actually see it. I use my, my energy levels, my emotions, my intent, my um, imagination, all of that together. So all my energy levels to again, program myself for the outcome I want. And let's say that's a digestive issue. I see myself 100%. If I'm trying to maybe, again, boost a chakra, I do the same thing. And then, and as I do this in the morning, the animals will line up, be it cats or dogs, they kind of get in line. I'll tap my finger in there and give them each their uh, little shungite supplement too. So it's a daily thing for me, just a few drops. So even those small jars are, are really, again, like probably a month's supply. Okay, let's see. Oh, um, I'm sorry. And then, okay, I also do... Uh, the Shungite honey in and not a volume thing, so don't use it. I suggest not using it as a sweetener, although, yes, it's sweet and tastes fantastic. But I do blend it in my coffee and or tea if I'm having either or um, a small amount in that. And then just a little add-on, I do vortex it, so stir it to the right, so think clockwise. And at that moment, that tea or coffee or whatever you're drinking, that beverage, is programmable. So then again, that loving intent. So, um, and the, you can think Dr. Emoto's work as well on writing the word love and emotions and it all ties together in frequency. So that's the other way I use it. Noticing the hexagon shape in most filters here at work, Derek, your comments with meditation really struck me. Can you expand? The movie Contact had a hexagon as the portal. Sure, and often when they show the hexagons, think more 4D, so it's really just showing you one side of that molecule or hexagon shape, so think like um, kind of in 3D, so I'll, I'll explain it this way. Um, energy, okay, here in the 3D uh, that we're walking around in, water is an energy form that we're all familiar with, and let's say you wanted some, and you know I had some, and I kind of threw it at you, well, you're only going to get so much of that water, you might benefit a little bit, it would work a whole heck of a lot better if you had a vessel so a cup or a container so here in the 3d that is just that a cup or a pitcher to hold that water well in the etheric the metaphysical the other frequencies or dimensions those vessels are our imagination and their sacred geometry so what i do is i imagine that c60 molecule that soccer ball shape put my intent in it and then that's your energy, your soccer ball shape, your imagination is the vessel. And that's going to hold a whole of a lot longer. So again, think of throwing somebody that water, it only works so well. So if somebody's sending you loving energy or any other kind of energy, it works a whole lot better if you integrate some of these sacred geometry or platonic solid shapes, depending on what you're trying to do, use it as a vessel in the etheric. So again, if I'm trying to, let's say, make my, my little kitty because she has tummy issues better, I'll use my imagination, envision that soccer ball C60 shape, just full of love, put the kitty in there, see her or him 100%, not getting there, but 100% already. You don't want to program perpetual healing. You want the end result, and that little kitty will have a huge result or um, impact from that. All right, I think I got them all except this last one. Can beeswax be used in 3D printing? Uh, that's a that's interesting, um, and I am looking at different ways to integrate the waxes and shungites. I have not pulled it off myself because of the low melting point. That's what I was thinking. Uh, 
Yeah, once you get that nozzle next to it, it does melt. So I do different things with molds and stuff, but not not three D printing yet, as far as, as I know. You could probably do it in a combination with some of the harder resins, I would think, because the way three D printing works, uh, it has to be something that's going to be able to take the the actual equipment striking it over and over and over again. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually do 3D print small hexagon bowls, and then I'll coat them on the inside with Shungite beeswax. So I'll pour the melted beeswax in there, have a coating, and then in there is where I would place, say, my supplements or something like that if I had to have them. So it's in that environment of Shungite and the beeswax. Okay, hopefully I got everybody, so if you guys got anything you still want to go at, we still got about 10 minutes left here. Yeah, I see people talking about Saturn and the hexagon. That's all NASA nonsense. Um no, none of those images are real. But um, so, one of the things that I was so happy—I've been—you can ask Jason. I've been talking about this a long time. People make these orgone devices, and they're using all this kind of chemical hardening crap. And it used to bother me. How are you doing anything organic if you're sealing it? And uh, you sent me a couple of the little jars uh, of your orgone-like devices, and it's all natural, and it's all natural wax and not only that if anyone ever got tired of them you could take that thing apart and put the pieces back out in the world no no fuss no muss um so that's kind of a big deal and i hope it catches on that people quit using that like, what is it what what is that stuff called that clear crap that smells like death um that oh, hardens yeah, yeah, they're different resins, and they're like, you know just straight up chemical mixture. And you have to be so careful. And I've used all those things. You have to wear gloves, and they'll heat up, and of course they'll burn your skin. And yeah, that's all nasty stuff. So I wouldn't want that integrated in in anything. I'm you know having a, that loving or beneficial energy in. So that's why we went to the the beeswax, and and it's programmable as well because of the crystalline structure, and there's nothing harmful. And we do we keep it chemical free beeswax. It's just a, a much more, and we're actually going to integrate little wicks into some future ones to where you can then burn it and have different intentions and things. So the, the organized devices you're talking about that I sent you are, are basically pre-colored ones for different chakra energies, and we'll, we'll expand from there. But I wanted people to be able to see they don't even have to just have ours. They can make these things at home. They can do it with their kids. It's a fun thing to do, um, and it's going to benefit you as well. You know what it reminds me of, and I don't know if this is correct, but early on in the 90s when I was first making my first websites, I had a couple surfers that ran surf shops, and they made surfboards in Southern California. Um, and when you walk in there, the smell of them glass coating those boards, that's what that smell of resin reminds me of. I don't <laughs> know if it's similar in any way, but um, almost, I would say, over 50%, all these years later, over 50% of those dudes working in those fiberglass surfboard making, they got sick, and a lot of them bad sick, and a few of them died. Um, and I always imagined it was from all that dust and that resin because that smell, I mean, you'd walk in there, and I wasn't even there for that long, but I'd go back out in my car, and you're just inundated with that resin smell, and that dust is all over you. So I, I just, it always bothered me that people were making organ with that stuff. And not only that, so they take seashells and all these other things and they in encase it like a sarcophagus. That's never coming apart in the next thousand years, you know? That stuff's all stuck together, like, till God knows when. But anyhow, um, did we get all the questions, Jason? Does Derek sell the Shungite honey he talked about? If yes, does he ship worldwide? 
we do. We sell, and yes, we ship worldwide, of course, because of what's happening nowadays. There's some issues shipping to, you know, Africa is kind of an issue. But no, we, we ship worldwide, um, and we have it in a couple sizes available on the website right now. Cool. That's good stuff, man. I, I'm getting more of that. It's great for the coffee. And actually, Derek, it feels like you get a little eye-opener bump from the shungite honey in your coffee. Is that just me, or do you think that's correct? Oh, no, you absolutely do, and I enjoy hearing that back from people because it's <laughs> uh, it is, it, it's an energy supplement, you can think of it. And I don't mean physical energy. It does that as well, but just, your again, your aura or living energy, it has that clearing effect. So you can call it excess energies, heavy energies, overages, lots of ways of saying those things, but having that in, in your system it just benefits you in so many ways. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, a great energy boost. And there was a procedure you said to properly mix it into coffee or tea? Yeah, what I suggest doing is working on on all of your levels, not just physical, but emotional and your imagination, which is, of course, 99% of the plus percent of the universe, because, you know, we only see so much of the visual spectrum. Um, So when you're doing that, what I do is take that small amount of honey, hold that loving feeling, and often it's felt as like a welling up sensation around your chest, just love. You can think of a significant other. You can think of a, a cat in a shoe. Whatever makes you smile. Um, have that feeling. Stir clockwise. Just have that in your energy field. Again, you'll have your cup or tea in front of you. Stir it. Put the honey in. And then, again, that's your programming state. So when you're holding that feeling, see what you want. So let's say I had a, I had some sore muscles because maybe I moved a bunch of stuff the day before. Well, at that moment while I'm stirring, holding that intent or feeling, I'm going to see myself in my imagination perfect. No sore muscles, not getting there, but already there. And then that's how I do it. All right. Let's take a quick look, see if anybody else asked anything. Crow, is there anything you want to talk about for what we're going to be releasing this week? Yeah, um, we've got... This Thursday, we're going to do a show with Ben Balderson, um, which is quite interesting. Um, as you know, people who have followed, he's teaching himself the ways of alchemy, um, not necessarily with a teacher. So it's always interesting to see what he's doing, but he's settled in to try to make what the one thing I've been saying we're missing in this world, a cymatic library. Um, so we have image after image of cymatic patterns paired off with the frequency that made them. Um, And people may think, well, why is this important? Well, I'll give you an example right here. In the first episode we did with Derek, he suggested that when science tells you a bumblebee shouldn't be able to fly, um, it's because science isn't getting it. What's actually going on is there's a frequency rate or a vibration in the bee that the bee is creating that makes it lighter than air or makes it float. Uh, so to speak. So if that's true, you could probably figure out a way to deduce whatever that frequency is in a bee and then set out to try to make things lighter than air by resonating it uh, at that frequency. But to get back to the point, Ben's going to start making the library, and I've mentioned it on many occasions. I don't know if he'd been thinking about it or whether I got him thinking about it. He's going to start putting together a cymatic library, and we cover a bunch of other things. Also, for those who have been waiting, and actually, I don't think he's here anymore, but, or, oh, there he is, Dave J. Hey, Dave, how's it going, bud? Um, I don't keep a very good eye on the chat because I'm doing other things. Dave J. is going to be the following Saturday. Uh, we have not caught up with Dave J. since episode 33. I think it was episode 7, if I remember what Rose told me before that. So 
everybody knows, man. When Dave J's on, you're gonna you're gonna have a sore brain when you're done <laughs> um, thinking was, about thinking about things. But anyhow, good to see you, Dave, in there. By the way, um, and also other people in the chat that might have wrote things. I'm sorry, I, I got so many things going. I kind of depend on Jason to keep an eye. I think I got all the questions. If anybody's got any last-minute ones, uh, you can throw it out there. Derek, why don't you give the quick rundown on who you are, where people can find you, and generally what things you offer. Sure. Um, the best way to and to contact us would be at mysticalwares.net, so M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-L-W-A-R-E-S.net. And then we also have the same name under Facebook, our group where we – Actually, we're going to start posting a lot of our free classes online, um, things like enhancing your intuition, some sacred geometry classes, exploring Sasquatch, so lots of interesting things. And then we're going to reach via email at contact at mysticalwares.net. And that same online store at mysticalwares.net is where you can get the different shungite honeys and skin balms and lip balms and various energy devices. And I'm, I'm often placing new products up there all the time. So it's um, and then the the metaphysical perspectives YouTube channel is where I actually have several videos explaining and showing on video different uses and or or ways to use shungite. So there's um a lot more available out there to to listen to. I, I'm actually wondering if anyone's taken the time to smoke finely powdered shungite. I'll bet you it's been done. <laughs> um, uh, well, I've done it in candles, and I'll tell you what it does do when I've made these energy devices is it actually sparks when it gets down to these shungite wax, beeswax candles I make. It gets – and little particles get to the flame, and it like – I don't know what to tell you. It looks like just little sparks that kind of shoot off of there. Um, it's really interesting. Uh, how long does a honeybee live? Oh, about seven weeks or so. It depends on the exact type and whether it's a drone or, you know, a female or the queen because the queen can live a lot longer. And then the, the drones, the males, actually all get killed off in the fall and none of them survive the winter. They all get, you know, regenerated um, in the spring. And so it's only the females that actually go through the winter. All right. And the last one was – what was the last one I just missed here? Sorry. Blix is going crazy here. Well, hello, Blix. Oh, what's the significance of stirring clockwise? Um, that is so uh, – clockwise would be what I use for – so it's again making a vortex for programming in the 3D. So let's say um, – and that's known on different levels if you talk to different um, – uh, different understanding levels, we'll call it. But if you want to program in the – metaphysical or the other dimensions it'd be a counterclockwise kind of spin uh it's a difficult subject to get into take a long time but again the tie-in would be clockwise for physical for programming that water um for for certain intentions and then again if you're thinking more spiritual advancement so if i'm wanting to activate my chakras i'm gonna stir my tea or coffee counterclockwise and then just see myself as you know a little bit more spiritually connected more empathic more intuitive but again, the first one was the physical healing. So if I had tummy problems or, or muscle issues, that's when I'm going to program that energy field with the clockwise spin. Um, and there's been different studies on that that could explain it better than I could. But it does have a beneficial effect doing those two different ways. What is your experience with sacred bee venom medicine? Sacred bee venom medicine. Now, I'm not sure exactly what they're referencing. There's different different things bees do and make and pollens and, of course, um, the royal jellies and whatnot. Um, 
So I, I have to be honest, I don't know exactly what they're I, I, I think maybe they're referring, you know, um, as an example, you know, people get arthritis and they used to use bee stings. Um, problem is the bee dies if you're using honeybees, but apparently the bee venom uh, would vastly improve the condition of severe arthritis. That, that is the – okay, well, that's an interesting question because, yes, it does do that. And I can tell you I've used it for – well, let's just go woohoo – chakra activation as well. So I'll, I'll do some of my communication, we'll say, speak with some guys. I'll go out there. And I've actually had bees land on my pineal – well, not on, the, on my third eye area between you know, on the top of my forehead there and actually sting me directly there. With, and with the, again a whole another show on that one, but talk about the chakra activation and the the changes in the energies that can happen. And that was by just asking the bee to do it, not grabbing a bee, placing them there or anything. And this has happened many times in different areas of of my body, let's say. So sometimes on the neck, they'll do it willingly if you communicate. So, um, but yes, it does have an effect. So on the 3D physical for arthritis and things, yes, there is the therapies like that, but I'm also with you on, I'm, I'm not big on those because of the damage it does. Uh, that, you know, of course, kills the bee. But well, there's, quest. Mm-hmm. There, there's another example of that in the world. Um, people in the Amazonian region might find when they get to their bar mitzvah quinceanera age there, I don't know if it's 12, usually is around 12, might be a little younger in the jungle. They put these woven mitts with all these bullet ants. I think it's bullet ants. Um, so that when the children put on the mitts, they're going to get bit a number of times. The pain index on the ants they're getting bit by is like some of the highest. But what they found now in studies done after the fact um, is that they're immune to a litany of so-called maladies and diseases, uh, heart issues, all kinds of things cured by the ant venom. They're now beginning to find out. But apparently it is painful beyond imagination to go through that kind of an initiation. Uh, I would imagine that it's in the same ballpark as using bee venom. Yeah, right. I don't think I'd be wanting to put those on anytime soon. <laughs> no, it's supposed to be like a 10 on the... If I'm right that it's bullet ants, I don't remember, but bullet ants is one of the most painful stings. Uh, how does Derek communicate with the bees? Telepathically? Uh, yeah, yeah, you can say that. And that's, of course, you know telepathy um but also on the emotional level so they actually that's why i don't have to wear bee suits or smoker materials i never get stung unless i'm actually out there asking and then the bee will just come do it um you know on its own if it if it decides so really communication i feel it i see it it's getting on all levels um it's similar to communicating with animals it's, it's telepathy you can see the end result so if you're if you're wanting something to happen, like let's say a dog lay down or a bee land on your finger, don't give them a long story about it. See the end result in your mind's eye. So if I'm wanting a bee to just land and do a little show on the tip of my finger, I'll see it already happening in my imagination. I'll feel that loving energy, and that loving energy would be, um, oh, think the current that takes that image to the bee, and then the bee sees what you want. And that's what happens. Or if you wanted your dog to go lay down, don't see the dog running over there, laying down. The dog's going to see the whole thing and go, wow, you want me to run? No, see the end result. And then more emotions or love feeling you tie in, the stronger they'll get that impression. All right. I see a couple more things popping up here. Let's see if we... Yeah, we're, we're going to wrap up here shortly. So if people have questions, post them now. Yeah, hit us up. I'll take a quick look through both of these, see if we got any questions. All right. 
Okay, that would be cool. Someone was suggesting that we get Derek hooked up with uh, David Weiss because he likes to talk about things. I'm definitely down with that. I could even see if... Uh... How would striking tuning forks affect Shungite beehives, if any? Mm -hmm. That's an interesting idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we've done that. And of course, it depends on the tuning fork because of the frequency. But really, think of the tuning fork. Um, and we've done lots of frequency, um, let's say, experiments with beehives, again, from just CDs under it without a player, two tuning forks, um, kind of a carrier um, sort of deal. So it's the carrier for um, the energy or intent you want to use. But they have an effect. The bees will respond, of course. And then... Um, if they're too close, it's it's a little disruptive. So if you're within about a foot, it, it's kind of, you know, again, like be you and I in a room with somebody turning on the music really loud around you, even if it's on the frequency level. Um, it doesn't harm them, but they definitely respond to it. And then what I would say, if you're going to do something like that, um, add that carrier frequency, because you can do more than one frequency and that loving intent. You can think 0.1 hertz. And if you're aware of that number, again, it's just a programming thing and it'll start to happen. So then they'll they'll be able to hear it on many levels. You know, I, I got a question actually. Are you aware of bees going to the flower of any poisonous plant or do bees only get interested in plants that are that are not things we would consider poisonous? No, that's a great question. Actually, somebody asked me that in the store the other day. They said, well, don't plant those flowers. It's poison to the bees. I'm like, no, it's not because the bees don't eat poison. They know <laughs> if it's harmful. Yeah, so no, there's a an actually uh, a frequency to a flower, and that's actually how the bees know whether there's waste their time or not to go there for nectar. There's a frequency, and it's in the infrared spectrum, and the same with the other flowers. So no, they can see it on many levels, whether it's harmful or not. Um, just like we can, if we walk into a group of people, and you know, we're going to have an energy, a feeling sort of thing, and we're going to know, nope, not compatible. So no, they don't have any issues with poisonous flowers because they're just not going to go to them. Are there any plants that you're aware of that bees don't like? Um, let me think of, um, I'm sure there are, but again, because that's almost a mute point because they'll just avoid them. It's not something I, I pay a lot of attention to. It's more of what they do like. Um, for example, like dandelion flowers, that's not a weed, that's a flower. It's one of the you know most abundant and beneficial medicines on the planet on all levels from roots to leaves to the flower itself. So I can't really say any that, you know, because, again, you don't really need to – they won't go to many roses and because the pH is different. It's just not um, – and not all roses, just some and then some bees. That's why it's hard to kind of fall in on that question. All right. I think that's going to do it, guys. Derek, thanks so much for coming on with us again. Oh, no. I, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah, this has been uh, a pretty successful show, and anytime we can get into natural things, I'm all about it. We spend a lot of time having to deal with the Fed, the Vatican, corporations, which is fine. People need to know things. But when we can do this, it's like a vacation for me. So we'd like to have you back uh, after a little bit of time goes by, and we'll cover some more things. Hopefully people will be into it. Anyhow, anything you want to add in, Jason? Now, hopefully you guys check out this week, which I think will be very interesting. Uh, Wayne and I and whomever else will be back, of course, this Wednesday. And that'll do it. Everybody have a good All one. All right. Uh, are you looking at the live chat, Derek? Um, I am not right now. I was having a little bit of internet issues, so I shut everything down but Skype because I didn't want to have a problem. You know what? I'll get Rose. Can you post 
Can you post the links for uh, Derek real quick in the live chat? I'll just wait a couple seconds. Actually, maybe I can find them just as quick as you can. Let me look. Uh... <clears throat> well, I had them pulled up a moment ago, so let me... Did they get posted in there? I posted them earlier. Was... Oh, okay. If they were already posted in there, then then that's good to go when I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> right, I'm going um... to put his website up one more time. Mystical Wares. There's that. I'll throw it in the other one. All right. Any last words, Crow? Or are you ready to sign off? That's it, man. And by the way, under the full episode that we just did with Derek, um, all the contact is there. Uh, also, if you want to donate to support his creation of Shungite bee homes or hives, maybe is a better way to say it. Um, these are important things in my book, and you can't do better than that when you're supporting natural ideas and someone who helped cure colony collapse. That's a big deal. So anyhow, thanks, Derek, Jason. And we'll catch you guys all next time. There it is, man. Cheers. Belief is the enemy of knowing. Come.